0: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Roy Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks big week for Kamala Harris. Absolutely. I believe I got the pronunciation right. You sure so did. i like every other Fox presenter. I've got an Sorry, not other, but every Fox. Over so. Tucker Carlson. Yeah, exactly. Over others besides uh, Tucker uh, on Fox. I may Having have trouble
1: maligned them. I don't know that they had trouble for sure. I'm only basing that on the fact that they've had a lot of trouble with every vaguely ethnic name in their entire careers.
0: So our lead story in the A Block was Kamala Harris, a middle finger to progressives what uh, I have disagreements I'm, just, I'm not saying I'm yeah. just saying yeah. thats that's the question a lot of people are asking a related question is Kamala Harris a female Donald Trump now her severest critics are saying oh she's just an opportunist and so we'll get into that. Uh, we're also going to get into uh, the issue of prisoner release, the uh, COVID prisoner release. How is that working out across the country? We've got about 18,000 folks, so we're really taking major steps against mass incarceration. We're going to examine that. And finally, we're going to talk about the burning question that Bill Maher loves to talk about every single one of his shows what if Donald Trump doesn't leave Mm. after losing? What if it's rigged and and so on? We're going to get into that. We're also going to uh, get back into our fun feature, Moron of the Week, uh, and a clue. Our Moron of the Week uh, this week is a judge who made inappropriate comments about a litigant's penis. So that will be in the D-block at the end of the program. Before we get to the Kamala Harris deal, um, did you see, Connor that... uh, SB 480, Senate Bill 480 in California has been passed. It's going to ban police, military-style uniforms. Have you Hmm, heard about this? No. I don't quite understand this. And I get that we don't want cops to be uh, racist. Right. We we want them to be law-abiding. Right. But shouldn't they be kind of scary guys who will deter and catch criminals? I mean, no military style uniforms on the house. Should we have them wear like Mr. Rogers sweaters, you know, and tennis like, shoes? Like and, the cops in, in England, they that, you know, wear sweaters sometimes. An athlete would wear. Yeah. It's a beautiful day. Uh, that dead guy over there. Now, did you shoot him? I think the gun that, may have that been they were more wear. of a Bush pretty, impression. No, than it was. Mr. Rogers. It was good.
1: Uh, I think the gun and the baton and the pepper spray and the handcuffs and the monopoly on the legitimate use of That's force we don't in our need state is enough. Camo puts you in the mind that you are the enemy as opposed to you are the protected, so I'm actually okay with it. Also, I'd like to just say I kind of got whiplash over here because the the conservative backlash against uh, the idea of getting rid of these military-style costumes right. that these guys like to cosplay as soldiers in is like— Hearing people say, well, whoa, 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 your police reforms are too big and too drastic. And then they turn around and do the tiniest, little, most insignificant crap, which is making them change their color of their clothes. And they go, whoa, 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 your police reforms aren't drastic enough. It doesn't actually do anything. Then why do you care, conservatives? Come on. Honor,
0: I'm, I'm a little worried for you. If you call 911 uh-huh. and report something you need yeah. police help immediately, aren't you worried that the officer will say— Show up in his underwear? I, You're right. I, I as think, a protest. I think I'm, I think I'm recognizing your, 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 your accent voice. there. There, your voice and your accent. Yeah, we'll Aren't object. you, Mr. Connor? Yeah, wow. I don't think we'll be rushing out to your home. Wow, that's You're not worried really, about that? That's
1: a really good... I'm glad that we have uh, yeah, my a, a, an accent of cops that we as white people are allowed to do. Just like do as many <laughs> Irish accents as we want. It's great.
0: Oh, you have a problem with making fun of Irish cops?
1: Not at all. That's okay. my... It's my... Well, oh, the only thing I'm allowed to make fun of, like accent-wise, it's perfect.
0: So let's talk Kamala Harris. Um, the question is, did... Biden's pick uh, give the middle finger to progressives. Uh, Some progressives, Connor, are trashing her as a, they use the P word, prosecutor. She Mm -hmm. actually was attorney general of the state of California. She was district attorney of San Francisco, which is close to being a prosecutor. Even worse than that, I often hear the C word, cop. Yeah, that that too. So um, does this risk... Bernie Bros and Liz Warren are uh, sitting this one out. Uh, Brianna uh, Joy Gray, who previously was Bernie Sanders' National Press Secretary, mm-hmm. has been an outspoken critic of Biden since yes. Bernie withdrew from the race. She. Uh, invoked Harris's uh, tenure as California attorney general. She said, we're in the midst of the largest protest movement in American history, the subject of which is excessive policing, and the Democratic Party chooses a top cop and the author of the Joe Biden crime bill to save us from Trump. The contempt for the base is wow. You think this is going to be a problem for Biden? I don't think
1: it's going to be. Uh, A a massive problem. I don't think it's going to be enough of a problem to lose him the election, which is exactly what the Democratic National Committee is betting on. They know that that Kamala Harris uh, being chosen, uh, having a history as a top cop and a tough on crime prosecutor is exactly the wrong message for this moment. But they weighed that against The value that they see bringing to the political marketplace and saying, well, our goods and services here that you can sign up for and vote for uh, are a mixed race black and Southeast Asian woman. Uh, as a VP here. So that's a big positive. That's a big olive branch out right. to the people who say, I want dramatic change in the way that my elected officials look. They should look more like the communities they represent, and there should be some sort of representation that isn't white men in, in office. So that's a huge deal. Also, Kamala Harris's past is spotty, uh, as everyone's political past uh, is, in terms of how progressive her stance is been. Yeah, in terms of how progressive her stances have oh, been, oh, in but, that way, yeah, she has. She has had some very conservative, uh, tough on crime, uh, prosecutorial moves uh, in her in her career, and she's also been the champion uh, of people's,
0: uh, you know, civil liberties well, in I some circumstances. I hear you, but let me give you a little bit more evidence to chew on and, okay. and see if it maybe affects your opinion. Left leaning journalist Michael Tracy yes. called Biden's selection, quote, a nightmarishly bad pick in every way. <laughs> He said, Kamala's, uh, uh, Kamala's presidential campaign was a totally humiliating disaster, one of the worst of all time, considering the amount of unearned hype she received. Did every miss, everybody miss that or what? Now, Ted Rall, a very progressive guy, who um, he's a political cartoonist, and he writes regularly in the Wall Street Journal and a bunch of other places. Uh, he said, by choosing uh, Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate, Joe Biden is sending a message to the progressive left base of the Democratic Party, drop dead. The centrist establishment handlers view Hillary Clinton's defeat in 2016 as anomalous rather than evidence of a flawed strategy. Donald Trump proved that presidential elections are now about energizing the base to increase turnout. Now, you've been saying that for several weeks, that, you know, we don't have to worry about choosing somebody along the lines of a Bernie or, or a Liz, because, doggone it, it's going to energize the left, and, and they're finally going to turn out and make a lot of progress. Yeah, I mean, you do have to... You do have
1: to care about energizing your base. You do now. The Democrats are making like I think the the origin of the Democrats' decision that they made, which is to say, screw you to the progressive wing of, of the the party, which they absolutely have done. The that decision was made when they chose Biden and when they convinced every other actual progressive in the race who's not a moderate Republican, Joe Biden. Right. Uh, from dro- to drop out uh, before Super Tuesday and endorse Biden and get on board. And who knows what carrot they dangled in order to get all these people like Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar and whoever else uh, to do this, to drop out and endorse Biden. Uh, but it worked. And that was their plan. And their plan is we don't need to energize our base. Our base is energized by their hatred for uh, the man in the Oval Office at the moment and everything he represents and stands for. So uh, what we really need to do is reach across the aisle and get those uh, middle of the road people uh, that we can, you know, uh, appeal to because we'll put in this boring, milk-toast Joe Biden empty suit of a politician, career politician. And guess who? is a perfect candidate as VP strategically if you're on board with the Democratic National Committee's thought process already. It's another politician empty suit who will kind of toe the party line, as she has done most of her career, Kamala Harris, with the added bonus that she is representative of several groups that are underrepresented in politics, and the DNC would like to make the statement that they care about. People, minorities, people of color, that is, and women. So that's a huge deal. Like, she's— the obvious pick the perfect pick and of course nancy pelosi said she was the absolute best choice uh and she has to say that of course once the choice has been made but she's the absolute best choice to have been made because she represents the interests of the nancy pelosis now if you are a we Stand queen love you nancy pelosi person then this is all pretty much perfect for you if you're significantly left of that as i am then it's not perfect but you know what I'm never going to get the perfect candidate. I mean, like, I'm never going to get the, <laughs> well, the Bernie be right. Sanders I mean, because Biden... he's, you know, Bernie Sanders in his 40s would would be a, a much better candidate. But I'm never going to get the Bernie Sanders that yeah, that just I want. Think Larry David 30 years ago. Right, exactly, and that's okay. So you may be you can't right. Let the perfect be the enemy of the good, and I think that Kamala and Biden will make progress, important progress. I th- I would have preferred that the DNC do more, uh, take a more progressive stance, and I think they still could have won
0: had they done so, but this is their strategy that I think is flawed, and they're sticking to it. It'll be interesting to see if Harris really is even a significant factor at all. People get jazzed about the appointment of the vice president, but political scientists tell us, essentially, it never really makes any difference at all when the dust settles. For example, in the 80s, Walter Mondale electrified the nation when he picked, for the first time in American history, a woman to join him on the ticket against Ronald Reagan. It was Geraldine Ferraro. And I mean, having lived through that, it really jolted America. And then two weeks later, everybody was talking about something totally different. And they say it made no difference. Conversely... Dan Quayle, seen as kind of a disaster. He just totally gets reamed in his vice presidential debate when Lloyd Benson goes after him for, you know, you're no John Kennedy. I was a friend of John Kennedy. Uh, didn't make a difference. Right. Bush still won. So maybe it, she won't be important, But but maybe she will be because— this is a situation where people look at Joe Biden, and whether it's because of his age or cognitive difficulties or whatever, people may l- really look at her as a potential president, and therefore it could be statistically different. Now, you were just saying uh, something along the lines of you know Biden maybe knowing the left is never going to vote for Trump, they're going to walk over hot coals to vote against Trump. Right. Uh, Jason Riley of the Wall Street Journal, though, had had a slightly different take. He said that Biden was looking for somebody to help him. His campaign made no secret of his strategy to win back white working class residents of battleground states like Michigan, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, who left the Democratic Party to vote for Donald Trump. But, Riley concludes, it's hard to see how Ms. Harris will help him with those voters. Barack Obama won them over in 2008 by playing down racial differences on the campaign trail. Harris's most memorable moment during the primary was to suggest that Biden was a racist for expressing opinions about forced busing in the 1970s. So, in that sense, is she really going to be able to help Biden? No, I don't think that she uh, that
1: she is going to help Biden with those people who are sort of on the fence. I think that those people who are on the fence in the sort of Rust Belt states, uh, the the white working class voter, some of them have this sort of uh, uh, voter memory of Joe Biden as somebody from the '90s and the '80s who they remember as having a reputation for reaching across the aisle, and I think that is the value that that Biden and Harris together. That's all that. Bring to the table that is Harris brings nothing extra on that front uh, to the table. There just aren't that many probably white working class rust rust belt voters um, who are going to be pushed like you said any by any VP. Like who could they have chosen? I mean, if if they had announced Tim Kaine. Uh, and and tried to go back for the sort of north middle you know middle of the country uh, another I, reach that would across have been the an aisle. unpopular pick to go yeah, back to the yeah, Tim Kaine yeah, would have because yeah. Tim Kaine was a boring uh, lame choice anyway he's basically a slightly younger Joe Biden anyway so it doesn't uh, without the hair plugs it doesn't really energize anybody to have a guy like that on the ticket so how the heck do you appeal to these white working class voters in the Rust Belt exactly more than by appealing with with Joe Biden already. Like anybody who's persuadable on that front, we've now scooped because we've got the middle of the road, reach across the aisle guy
0: who kind of likes Republicans and probably secretly is one. When we come back for our B block, we're gonna continue the Harris Palooza extravaganza with the question: Is Kamala Harris really just a female Donald Trump? This what? is too many lawyers. And uh, Connor's going to fill you in on exactly how please. you can subscribe. So if you're listening to us on Apple
1: Podcasts, please check out uh, uh, the show on that our show page uh, where you see reviews of our show. Uh, leave us a comment. Leave us a little review uh, about how great we are, about how uh, you know sultry our voices are or whatever else you want to say. Don't actually say that, please. But I can't control it. What are you going to do? Uh, and then leave us a review. You know three stars four stars
0: five stars maybe i don't know
1: and you know it really helps out uh to get those reviews um you know text left or a star review because you know i think that just really helps us get up in the algorithm so other people hear us
0: this is too many lawyers we'll be right back This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Conrad. Oaks. So here in the B Block, the question is, is Kamala Harris a female Donald Trump? Uh, this isn't me talking, Connor mine. Interesting, interesting. You but not I've been watching talks. Fox News, right, so, right, right? I know they raised the question. So Donald Trump, they say, is utterly unmoored to any principle. Mm -hmm. He is dedicated solely to the proposition of his self-promotion, his self-aggrandizement, his fame and wealth and public notoriety and ultimately public office. So if we're going to be that frank about Donald Trump, to be fair, we need to look into whether it applies to Kamala Harris. Now, she was running against Joe Biden and in a nationally televised debate, she took him down. Essentially, she called him a racist for opposing busing. Uh, I mean, you remember, she said there was a little girl back in the 1970s mm-hmm. and that little girl wanted to go to a good school and uh, people like you opposed busing, opposed to that. I was that little girl. Right. So then after she lost the race, you know, her failure to launch, she's fine joining the Biden team, professing great loyalty to him. Uh, I mean, when you look at her track record on Medicare for All, twice she has said, yes, Medicare for All. I remember seeing this in the news. She said, private insurance, we are so done with that. People being able to, to uh, deny your claims. Twice she came out against private insurance. Twice she got such backlash. She backpedaled and said, well, no, maybe I'm not, I'm not sure about that. So the question is, I mean, does she really stand for anything except personal aggrandizement? And in that respect, Is she any different from Donald Trump? Now, you know the Republicans are going to go into her history. She was an assistant district attorney in Alameda County when she met Willie Brown, who was the most powerful politician in California. He'd been Speaker of the Assembly for about 15 years. They started to date. She quit her job. He gave her two board positions, giving her about $400,000 over four years. She then parlayed that into a run for District Attorney of San Francisco, then Attorney General in California. And when she was running and people said, oh, you were just Willie Brown's girl, girlfriend slash mistress, because he was estranged from his wife. She said, I don't owe him anything. You know, he's, his, he's history. I'm going to be around for decades. So should to to be fair, should we be looking at her through the same lens that Trump's critics look at him?
1: Absolutely not. First of all, all of Harris's critics who are bringing up Willie Brown, who would love to rem- have remained in the stop in the spotlight uh, with the uh, open letter he wrote about how he had a relationship with Harris, right. tying himself to her once she had moved on with her career and his career was way on the downslope. This well, is eighty-five, a- right? Yeah. This is a guy who's trying to cling to some sort of public relevance and everybody else attaches themselves and levies these sexist criticisms against her as though her past relationship status matters at all. She achieved what she achieved and everybody in politics knows everybody else in politics and trades favors with everybody else in politics and achieves things by standing on each other's shoulders and to say basically uh, what everybody who, you know, on the right who's criticizing uh, Kamala Harris with, uh, as to anything that has to do with with uh, Willie Brown, is what they're saying is she slept her way to the top. And that is the most sexist imaginable way you could approach the fact that she had a political career and a relationship with another politician. Guess what? Politicians date other politicians all the time. This is to say that she st- stands for nothing because of how she got where she got every politician has to take stances where they can and has to give in elsewhere unless you're Bernie Sanders who actually all the time comes across the aisle uh, came across the aisle during his long and storied career and you know passed bills uh, with Republicans it happens all the time and Kamala Harris is no different Kamala Harris is to be lauded she there's a great piece all the way back from 2017 before everybody knew she was running but she was going to run mm-hmm. uh, there's a there's a uh, there's a piece on on Jacobin called the two faces of Kamala Harris and it represents the 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 very you know progressive wing of the party looking at Kamala and saying is she really uh, the candidate, the sort of candidate we want to be looking at for VP this year, president this in, in next election or VP this next election or president 2024, uh, which is entirely possible. And, and we want a lot of people say even likely if the first uh, term with Biden goes well. And this piece is really good. And it does break down a bunch of different times in her career where she took actual principled stands that had no good political outcome for her. Most famously, the first test of her principles in 04. She's just become, she's just become safe as this goes DA, right? She mm-hmm. promises never to impose capital punishment. And then within six months of her election, she has to face down a as as the Jacobin piece put it, a united chorus of voices from cops to the then extremely powerful Democratic senator Diane Feinstein. I never know how to pronounce it. it Feinstein. It's Feinstein. Fine, but... Thank you. Thank you. Feinstein. I, I always pronounce it wrong. Uh, Diane Feinstein, who are, cops and, and the Democratic senator are, are calling together saying, look, this guy, uh, a 21-year-old who killed an undercover cop, this guy has got to fry. This guy needs the death penalty. And she at great political expense to herself, said, no, I've got principles. This isn't happening. And she defied Feinstein, whose seat she eventually took. And despite... It was actually boxers. Oh, was it? Yeah, because Feinstein's still there. Oh, good point. Right, right, right. She's 150 years old. Right? I <sighs> forgot about that. But, I mean, these are, these are principled stands yes. that she took. Now, her career is also full of times when she did not take principled stands, where she specifically did not take a stand when she had the opportunity to do so. Perhaps most famously, Kamala Harris declined to take a stand in the war on drugs, despite repeatedly professing that the war on drugs has been lost, uh, or should be over, um, or was a failure, or whatever else she wants to say, which she has said many, many times, and which is objectively true, Um, she, in her career, multiple times decline to take a stand on the war on drugs and instead stuck to a generic smart on crime approach which sounds a lot like tough on crime as this Jacobin uh, piece points out so in uh, in the early 2000s in she had an opportunity uh, to join other states when she was a district attorney she had the opportunity uh, sorry AG she had the opportunity to join other states that were trying to take marijuana off of the uh, most dangerous substances list. She didn't do that. She could have taken a stand there. Instead, she backed off of it because she didn't probably think it was politically expedient or likely to work, and it wasn't likely to work, and it didn't work. So, you know, in a way, would her support have changed the outcome? I don't know, but she took the unprincipled stand of knowing that this was the right thing to do, obviously, because she is a smart person who knows that marijuana is not the same as black tar heroin and shouldn't be on the same freaking list, and she... Despite that, put people in jail anyway for minor drug offenses and then goes on, you know, radio shows later and laughs about how she did drugs when she was a kid, which everybody does drugs when they're a teenager in 20s or whatever. But it, you know, it she had the power to make a difference in the world and take a stand, and she didn't. So, yeah, there are times when she has had a principled stand and taken one uh, uh, for the team and done the right thing, in her view, whatever that is. And there are times when she has not, when she has backed off of issues, but Guess what? That's politics, baby. She's got a career. She's got a long resume behind her. She will always have a spotty career, and the ultra-progressives will not be happy with her. But guess what? The -the middle-of-the-road types should be more happy with her because she has allowed Republicans and conservatives to have their way in politics on many occasions because she knew that's what a lot of people wanted. That's called pandering to voters, but
0: it's also called democracy. Well, I'll say this, Connor: A simple no would have been (laughs) sufficient— And it would have left so much more time for me to talk. Um, But I appreciate you elaborating on it. When we come back, if you thought Connor got a little wound up about that, we're going to address the question of whether Kamala Harris is really constitutionally eligible to serve as president because of her parents' citizenship. We'll be right back on Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. I'm Connor Oaks. Sorry, I'm still cooling down So uh, from Con- hearing those words. Connor, you know a bunch of guys uh, down at Chapman Law School. Excellent uh, law school, right? Yeah. And very esteemed uh, professor true. there, uh, John Eastman, Professor John, very uh, well known. He's in the media, national media. Uh-huh. A very conservative fellow. So, yeah, so he, is the coronavirus in the he, national media. He put a, a piece in
1: Newsweek uh, uh-huh.
0: recently, Connor. Newsweek
1: has turned into the raggest rag.
0: There's nothing left of that husk of what used to be a publication, but go ahead. So, uh, what he said was he's changed his mind about everything and now he's a progressive. Great! So Alright! A... I take it all no, back! No, 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 I'm wrong. I, I made a mistake. Yeah. What he said was that Kamala Harris may not be eligible for the presidency because, God. although she was admittedly born in the city of Oakland, California, uh-huh, that's definitely part of America, uh-huh, he says, you know, her parents, they may not have been citizens. Now, uh-huh, he gets into the anchor baby concept. Most people believe in the concept of the anchor baby, meaning if you're born in the U.S. It's called birthright citizenship. Yes, but your parents are not citizens. You are a citizen. Thus, you qualify under the Constitution. Article 2, the executive branch, part of the Constitution, Section 1, about who may be president, says it's okay to be president if you're a, quote, natural-born citizen. And that's birthright citizenship. That's anchor baby citizenship. That's the rule. Anchor baby being a derogatory term uh, pointed at immigrants
1: to undermine the concept of birthright citizenship, which has been enshrined in our legal norms and and natural for hundreds of years, hundreds of years since the inception, since the founding fathers put their seal of approval on it.
0: The dispute is described by your close personal friend, Professor John Eastman of Chapman Law School. Uh, He says, okay, some people say the idea of birthright citizenship really shouldn't be the law. And they point to the 14th Amendment of the Constitution that says citizens are people born in the U.S., quote, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. The argument being if parents, for example— hypothetically, are diplomats from the Ukraine whose baby is born in New York City. The argument is, well, that baby really isn't subject to U.S. jurisdiction because, after all, the parents and the whole family of have Ukrainian diplomatic folks— diplomatic community. Yeah, diplomatic community. They're not really right. subject to the U.S. jurisdiction. They're subject to the power and the influence of the Ukrainian government. Thus, the baby is now a citizen. So this is the argument by Chaplin. And Newsweek, actually, you mentioned that they're now a rag. They took a lot of crap for running this article. Shocker. Talk about the sh- Senator Tom Cotton getting— is- yeah. a lot of mm-hmm. crap yeah. from the New York Times staffers yeah. who said they feel personally physically threatened after Senator Cotton's article ran saying you know sometimes we ought to use the military to, to quell uh, civil disturbances yeah, not exactly
1: what he said he said use it now in this certain specific
0: circumstance right, against right. citizens so anyway this is the argument by, by Chapman it's it's different I will say from the Obama birther controversy it's not. I believe Donald Trump claimed that Obama was born in Kenya wasn't that the suggestion for a long you know time? there were
1: a lot of suggestions yeah. Yeah. nonsense, garbage suggestions
0: with no basis in reality. So, so uh, now that you have expended ninety eight percent of your energy <laughs> on the issue of whether Kamala Harris is a female Donald Trump, please use the other two percent to address yeah. this issue of uh, the yeah. birthright citizenship. So,
1: bringing my uh, sh- sharp legal acumen to the table here, I'm going to do some analysis of Eastman's uh, 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 argument. Um, I'm going to say I'm not going to engage with Eastman's argument. Because it's not even birtherism. It's just plain old... Uh, country fried racism. There's nothing special going on here. I've never here. heard that
0: expression. Is that a thing? Country no, it's fried not. racism. No, it's not.
1: I just okay. made it up. Okay. It, 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 there's nothing uh, uh, about this, right? There's no there there. This is uh, a complete racist fabrication trotted out so that Fox News can recycle this as a talking point. It can go to AM radio, and people can get enraged about it. And then people in the Midwest who it aren't can that, even
0: go to podcasts,
1: yeah, who, that, who aren't that engaged with politics, will say things like, "Oh well, I guess there are some." questions about her eligibility or ethnicity or something and that lines up with my inherent you know fear of her because of course she looks very brown uh and she i i somebody somebody else told me she she uh uh does the dope uh and admitted to it so <laughs> you know dope. i i really don't think that this is uh, the
0: dope legal now uh, <laughs> one would think Maybe right jurisdictions uh,
1: just this dope smoking brown person i i can't i can't abide <laughs> it I, I just don't think that she's <laughs> eligible nobody ever questions whether ted cruz is a you know a, a Viable candidate for president because he's not eligible, or John McCain, who's parent, who was born in Panama. Yeah. Uh, Ted Cruz, of course, with Canadian history. So like, what? Hey, we built it. We paid for it. It's ours. Right. So. It's just plain old racism. So So I'm not going to engage with Eastman's 14th Amendment anti-birthright citizenship nonsense, which is not based in any legal jurisprudence uh, that is is recognized as, as sane and rational. It is purely an attempt to throw up smoke and say, hey, look, we've got we can't stick any birtherism, racism stuff on Joe Biden. He's the whitest man alive. So thank goodness we've got a new punching bag. And just even having it in the national conversation, I mean, You can say it's a boon to Democrats because they get to laugh at it and lampoon it. But the problem is there are a lot of low information voters out there who just hear the suggestion. They hear Trump. They see Trump's tweets. They see, you know, Tucker Carlson's Twitter feed and show or whatever else. And they just don't engage any further. And the seed is planted in their mind. And it needs to be loudly Repudiated as it has been in the press lately, but it's just never going to be loud enough. And allowing this to to fill the the, the conversation and de, de, you know determine where the conversation goes instead of talking about issues or the actual merits of the candidates themselves is it's it's a Gersh Dern, is what I'm allowed to say on a podcast. Uh, our podcast tragedy.
0: Gersh, Dern, Gersh and, Dern and country fried racism. I'm learning so much. Well, you know, dock on it, folks. We, we were going to try to get to a couple of other topics. There was the prisoner release. How's that going? There's also what do we do if Donald Trump loses and won't leave the White House? But somehow, somehow <laughs> we ran happened? out of time. But we did. Again? We do have a, enough time to fulfill our promise, Connor, about a Moron of the Week. Okay. It's a Pennsylvania Superior Court uh, judge. Judge! Ooh, judge? Uh, his name They're is Alan smart. Rubenstein. He has been admonished by uh, the Common Pleas Court. Why is Judge Rubenstein being admonished and how did he get this accolade of moron of the week? He called a woman who was seeking a protection order against her ex-husband, a little blonde honey who was too dumb to leave. And then to show how fair he is, he turned to the ex-husband, referred to him as a punk, insinuating he had an, quote, inadequate penis. So uh, Rubenstein has uh, acknowledged her co- his comments were dead wrong and not justifiable. I like that. Isn't that a good uh, expression? Yeah, he's having a bad
1: day. You know, uh, the the vending machine ate his dollar, right? <laughs> um, and his secretary filed a sexual harassment lawsuit against him, um, and probably. And, uh, you know, Kamala Harris uh, was picked as VP, and he can't abide that because women. Uh, so, you know, I get it. Uh, he got When you have a bad day, everything just seems to come apart at the seams, and you're not yourself. This eat first, a Snickers, but you can't because
0: the vending machine ate his dollars. <laughs> this isn't the first time this judge has gotten into trouble several years ago. The system, uh, court system, had to pay 50 grand to resolve retaliation claims that stemmed from reports of him smoking in his chambers. With this new story, I think we need to look into what he was smoking. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Thank you for listening to uh, Too Many Lawyers, folks. Next week, we will address the all-important questions of what the heck are we going to do if Donald Trump loses and he just won't leave. We have the answers. I think you're you on- spam
1: spray down the hallway <laughs> and he just slides right out.
0: You're on Too Many Lawyers. Have a great week.